fulfill his promises to her. And that doesn't apply just to the herds, it applies to the hymns. God is good when we are not. God is faithful. When God makes a promise, he sticks to it. Even when we fall short, God remains. God made that promise knowing we would mess up. God made that promise knowing I would fall short. God made that promise knowing it wouldn't make sense. But he still made that promise to me, and that meant it was still for me. Amen. So that applies for everyone today. When God makes a promise to you that he's going to come through, that God is faithful, that he's going to provide, that he's going to make a way even when there seems to be no way, you believe God's promise to you. Amen. Amen. God, we come before you this morning with expecting hearts, with open hearts, God, to receive your promises, to receive your presence, to hear you speak to us individually and tenderly, God. We welcome your presence this morning, Jesus. We love you in this place. We just ask for more of you. In your name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's just lift our hands right now. Hallelujah. Ready, Lord. All praise, all our praise, all our praise, and tell them worthy of our praise, Lord. This morning, my soul, oh, waking my soul to worship, Lord. Oh, wake it up, church. Come on, wake up your heart, wake up your soul to worship this morning. Come on, we come prepared this morning. God's gonna do an amazing thing right now. Come on, with eager hearts hearts of faith. Come on, right now, lift your hands. God, do something special right now this morning, God. Come on, let faith arise. Faith arise, God. We believe it. We believe it, God, that you're good. God, you're meeting with us right now, this very second. Come on. Hallelujah. Eager hearts, eager hearts. Oh, we're expecting, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You ever been eager for something? Lately, for me, it's whenever I order anything off of online and it comes in the mail, I'm so eager when I go home, there's a package. You get so excited because it's a present. It's like, oh. But I'm going to tell you what, the presence of God, God's spirit, his word, his truth is so much better than that. Amen. So we're going to help you this morning worship. This first song is called Holding Nothing Back. And that's exactly what I want everybody to do in this place. Hold nothing back. Okay, remember in the world we used to go to the clubs, dance crazy. Let's do that for the Lord. Amen. Here we go.
carry us. You carry us, you carry us when the world is weighed. You cover us, you cover us with the endless grace. Your love is relentless. Your love is relentless. Your love is relentless. Love is relentless. Time. The time is up for chasing shadows. You gave the world the light to find. Come on, sing a hope that shines beyond tomorrow. A hope that shines beyond tomorrow. Your love goes on. Yeah, your love goes on. Sing it out, your love. Yeah, your love goes on. You carry. You carry us. You carry us when the world gives way. You cover us. You cover us with your endless grace. Your love is relentless.
just fill this time with our praise right now, all across this room with eyes closed. Let's fill this right now, this gap, this space with our praise. Come on. You sing a song from your heart, your words, your voice. Come on. Sing it all for you. If all you can say his name and say Jesus, sing his name. No other name but Jesus. Oh. troubles God comes and he surrounds us and he fills us up with his love his grace and his power Lord if you want that this morning close your eyes right now and lift your hands and say fill me up Lord come on say fill me up Lord I know there's power from heaven the same power that rose Jesus from the dead I say fill me up Lord come on you tell him fill us up Lord up right now come on and that same attitude just release it come on maybe he's giving you joy he's filling you with his grace and love come on release it from your mouth come on let it stir your heart come on let it out right now and worship 
sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. Lamb, come on, church, let's sing it out. We sing. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb is overcome. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb is overcome. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb is overcome. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. He was gone. So the disciples are home. They're all in a room together wondering what in the world just happened. And then one of the women, Mary Magdalene, she goes and she's by that tomb and she wanted to go and take care of it. And she sees an angel and he says to her, who are you looking for? She says, I'm looking for Jesus. If you've taken him, because she didn't know it was an angel. She said, if you've taken him, tell him where, tell me where he is. And he said to her, he is not here. He is risen. That is our Jesus. Death has lost his sting over our life. Death has no rule over our life because Jesus died and rose again. We have life. Come on, the ground began to shake. Let's sing it out. Oh, oh, Jesus, there's so much majesty in your name. Come on. Woo! The ground begins to shake. 
the stone was rolled was away. away. Death couldn't hold His it down. Could not be overcome. Now, death, where is your sting? Our resurrected King has rendered you defeated. So whatever you need right now, I want you to ask 
Jesus for it. And I want you to believe by faith that it shall be done because there's power in the name of Jesus. There is wonder working power in his blood. Come on, you ask him for what you need. If you need more, ask him for more. If you want to be baptized in fire, tell him to do it. If you need a healing in your body, if you need a revival in your marriage, if you want to see your children live for Jesus, ask him. just a little bit longer because we love to be in your presence oh God speak oh God because your children are listening speak to us this morning oh God I want to release anybody here that may have a word
come on, if that was for you, lift up your hands and surrender. Say, Daddy, I'm coming back. Oh, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on his children. Oh, God, we thank you for that word. We thank you that you are with us, that you are for us, that you are not against us. Woo, we receive that word. Come on, that was for so many people here. Never the same again. You never have to be the same again. Freedom in Jesus' name. Let's praise him one more time. Come on. We give you glory, honor, and praise, and thanks, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is worthy of our lives. Praise God. As you find your way back to your seats this morning, we're going to dismiss the King's kids. Let's clap it up for all of these awesome, beautiful children being in the presence of God. Jesus, fill them with your spirit, with your fire. Woo! What a blessing it is that we get to raise our children together in the presence of the Lord and his ways. Welcome to Metro Praise International Church this morning. For those that may not know who I am, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here, and I want to preach the gospel to you today. Look to your neighbor and say, she's got good news for you. In John chapter 3, verse 35 and 36, it says, The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. So God the Father loves Jesus the Son and has given him everything. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. I want to let you know this morning that we have to believe. You have to believe that Jesus is the only way. There is no other God. There is no other highway, path, knowledge, any other thing that could get you to God the Father in heaven. It is only through Jesus. God the Father has given Jesus everything. And he has all dominion, all authority, all power over the earth. And all he asks is that we accept his son. And if we continue a life of rejecting him, the Bible says that the only thing left is the wrath of God on us and eternal damnation. It's only two places, there's only two places in existence when we leave this earth. This earth is temporary. We will not be here very long. When we die, it's either going to be heaven or it's going to be hell. And the determination of that is if we've accepted Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God who was sacrificed for our sins. Our sins needed to be forgiven. Our sins held us. They keep us back from a living God, from a loving Father, because it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. And if we don't accept this new way, if we don't accept Jesus, the plan, then there's no hope for us. God's wrath is against us. So with all eyes closed all across this room, I want you to search your heart. And if you've been rejecting Jesus, if you've been rejecting his word, his plan for your life, if you've been rejecting his truth, today is a day for you to be saved. For day, today is a day for you to repent of your sins. The Bible says that you must repent and turn away from your wickedness and turn to God. And Jesus made it possible. He made a way. 
I want to pray for you, and I want you to agree with me. If you want to get right with God, the Bible says today is a day for salvation. We are not promised tomorrow. God, I lift up every single person in this room who is not saved. They have not been born again. They have not allowed the spirit to make their spirit new, alive, reborn. I pray that today they would accept you and stop rejecting you. They, they would confess their sins so that they can be saved. And they would uh, pronounce you Lord of their life. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said amen. If that was you and you meant business with God, I want you to come to our prayer workers right here, Pastor Jared and Pastor Susie. They will pray with you during the fellowship time. If you could please stand up to your feet with me. We're going to recite our confession of faith together. Praise God for his power and his presence in this room today. The reason why we recite this every week, it's because it's our Christian worldview. This is how we see life, the world around us, things that are happening. This is what we stand upon, and we want to make a declaration of it. As society changes, as the world around us shifts and changes, we remain the same, solid and firm in the Word of God. On the count of three, let's say it. One, two, three. I believe in one God and Creator, who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on. Spend some time fellowshipping. Greet somebody that you don't know. If you need prayer, we have prayer workers for you.
church this morning. Come on, make some noise. It's, all to, it's wonderful to see all of your beautiful faces, all the first-time visitors. We welcome you. Welcome you to Metro Praise International. Thank you for joining us for service this morning. What a powerful time in the presence of God. We just love worshiping the Lord together, sharing life together. Thank you for joining us. Our services here are every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then Elevate our, every Friday at 7 p.m. Those are our teenagers, 11 to 18 years old. They meet every week. They're rocking it out for Jesus. So if you know anybody in that age group, please invite them. Bring them on by. God is doing awesome things. We want to announce to you that we're going to be praying for our teachers teachers and students next Sunday during both of our services, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m., Sunday, September 20th. So if you know any teachers, principals, uh, bring them on by, invite them, maybe your children's teachers that you are building a relationship with, have them come on by, invite them, say, my, my church would love to pray with you. We're going to have a gift for all of them, and we'll be blessing our, our children as well. So it's just going to be an awesome time. And we're going to believe God to do great things in this school year, in our high schools, our grammar schools. And we just trust the Lord that he is in control, especially in our city. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. The two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. And our discipleship strategy here at MPI is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. And the way that we want to connect you to the church, connect you to Jesus, is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. If you turn in the back of your handout, you'll see a schedule of life groups that we have to meet the needs of your family. We really want to encourage you to get connected. Find a place that's going to meet your needs. There's so many different kinds of life groups, times, and places. So find ones who belong to and get connected. We want to give you a snapshot of what's happening this week. Somebody say it's a busy week. It's going to be a very, very busy week. So kicking it off today, we have our single moms come on with childcare. 5 p.m. they're meeting today. Also today we have our marriage group with child care meeting at 5.30. They're going on a date to Buckingham Fountain. So any married folk, you want to go to that address today at 5.30. Drop off your kids there. They're all going to meet there and they're going to go out and have some fun. Tuesday we have the Resistance Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, meeting here at the church at 6 p.m. Wednesday, Righteously Redeemed Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. meeting at the church. Wednesday, King's Kids Life Group, infant to 11 years old, 6.30, meeting here at the church. And our King's Kids Life Group meets here every week. Royal Rangers Boys Club, Impact Girls Club, you want your kids getting plugged into that. And then every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies. They both have child care. Both are at 7 p.m. One is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Walker's house. They have a lot of fun. You want to be there if you're an adult. 18 years and up, 7 p.m. every single Friday. Get connected. Build some lasting friendships. Get closer to the Lord through his word. Saturday, the Resistance Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, meeting here at the church at 3 p.m. And then Saturday, our evangelism team comes together every week. All ages welcome, 5 p.m. to go preaching the gospel on the streets. If you've never done it, I encourage you guys all to do it at least once. And once you do it once, you'll get addicted and you'll never stop wanting to do it. It'll change your life. So just go on out there. And then we want to mentor you. So we have leaders ready to take you through our 101 book, Welcome to Your New Life. And so this is done one-on-one -on -one according to your guys' schedule. So whatever leader you want, say, hey, I want to do the 101 with you if they have not bombarded you already. So we want to mentor you. We want to get into your life, share life with you, help you on this journey. And then when you graduate 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where the discipleship journey continues and where we train you to be a leader. 
and that we want to send you out to keep winning more souls for the Lord. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with, in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that, say amen. And if you want to be a part of it, say amen, because we want every single person to be a part of it. God is moving. He's doing amazing things in us and through us. And we believe that we, he could save our whole city. He could save all of, all of America, but it's going to take us doing our part. Let us continue on with our tithes and offering lesson. All of these lessons are found in the Disciples Giving Book. You can go to, dis to disciplesgivingbook.org. 52 lessons for the whole year. Such beautiful, in-depth, just practical lessons of how we can be faithful to the Lord in our finances. So we are on section three of the book, all about stewardship. Today is lesson nine, stewards are trustworthy. We're going to be reading from Luke 16, 11. You could either turn there in your Bibles or look up at the screen. Stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. That's what we've been talking about for several weeks now. God wants us to be wise managers and be responsible for everything that he's put in our hands. Let's read in Luke 16, 11. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Somebody say, ouch. Here are the three main points from that verse. Number one trustworthy with worldly wealth. Jesus was both the wisest and most practical teacher of all time. His insight to stewardship was simple yet profound. Why should God give you true heavenly riches and eternal rewards when you can't even manage temporary worldly wealth? In other words, why should God reward you if you only used your money for your needs and not his kingdom? Let that sink in a little bit. Number two, worldly wealth versus true riches. Worldly wealth is temporary. True riches are eternal. Worldly wealth is easily lost. True riches can never be taken away. Worldly wealth is earned by both the wicked and the righteous. Christians, non-Christians, we all have a worldly wealth, but true riches are only given to the righteous. So that's the determining factor. Yeah, there's people out there that are hustling and bustling, and they're making awesome amounts of money, and they're successful on the outside from what we would judge by the world standards, and they're not Christian. They're not serving the Lord, but they're not also not building up eternal treasures in heaven. That's what's going to last. That's what's going to count at, um, at the end. Number three, are you trustworthy? Have you been trustworthy with your tithes and offerings? Have you been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth? Will God reward you with true riches in heaven? Those are the types of questions we need to ask ourselves and be honest because ultimately he will judge us on that. And we want to make sure that everything that he's given to us on this earth, we give back to him in glory and so that he could use it so he could further his kingdom because only eternal things will last. Here's a summary. Be trustworthy with your worldly wealth in tithes and offerings. Let's apply this to our life in three, three ways. Number one. Be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income, and offerings, anything you give after your tithes. Number two, ask God to give you a deep insight into the differences between worldly wealth, worldly wealth and true riches. And number three, be trustworthy in everything you do with your family, church, job, friendships, finances. Let's do it all as unto the Lord. Let's confess this together on the count of three over our life. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards. 
living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. If you want to do that, let's stand up together on our feet this morning as we prepare to give God our very best, our tithes and offerings. Again, here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is a 10% of our total income. An offering is anything above that which we designate towards missions and building. And I want to just remind you again on the envelope, please make it clear where you want every amount to go. And here's the update. Come on, give yourselves a round of applause. Woo! You all raised together, all of us together, in the month of August, $1,237 for a grand total of $6,380. Who is excited? Come on. That is all going towards our Metro Praise International Church, that lit up sign to go right across the building. God is faithful. You guys are all generous. We're doing it together. Let's keep on doing it. So this is our building fund. All the monies that we raise for missions goes to various mission projects throughout the years. God is moving, and it's amazing what he can do through willing people. If we just give our lives fully surrendered to him, God can do some awesome things in our city. We also have two other ways for you to give or purchase items in the church using a debit or credit card. One is online and our, at our easy-to-use website and also in the back with Pastor Griselda or myself. If you have any questions about that, please see us after service. Let's recite this together. This beautiful, wonderful, powerful verse. Luke 6, 38. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, your awesomeness, your greatness. I thank you, Lord, that you've entrusted us with worldly wealth so that we in turn can truly have and be in charge of eternal riches. I pray, oh God, that you would bless the gift and the giver today. I pray that you would use it, multiply it for your kingdom so that we could see your kingdom on this earth as it is in heaven. I pray that you would bring job opportunities, raises, promotions, favor your people as they give to you, oh God, as they give to your kingdom i just trust oh god that your faithfulness will shine through your favor will shine through in their life in the mighty name of jesus we pray and everybody said amen, amen and amen please come forward as you give this morning and thank you so much for your generosity How many are happy to be in the kingdom? Say amen. Make some noise. The kingdom of God is here. Open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. So good that you're here. We're in the middle of a fall sermon series called The Kingdom of God. Everybody say The Kingdom of God. 
Thank you. If you want to know it in Greek, it's Basilelia. And if you want to know it in Spanish, what is it in Spanish? Kingdom. El reino de Dios. El reino de Dios. El reino de Dios. I like it. I like it. Come on. We're learning about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is where it's at. This was Jesus' number one message. Jesus talked more about the kingdom of God than he talked about anything else. The kingdom of God is going to radically change the way you look at your life. If you already know these messages, then let it encourage you. But bring somebody who doesn't know these messages. Let us take the fall to grow and explode to these side sections. We have now packed this out, and now the second service is growing as well. We're at the largest we've ever been, over 200 people in both services, 135 disciples, about 50 children. Let's give it up for Jesus. Come on. The youth group, Friday, the youth group had 68 teenagers come out. Give it up for Elevate. 68, that's almost 70. The week before, they had 86, almost 100. God is moving. Wednesday, King's Kids, around 60, 70 every week. Give it up for King's Kids. Come on, God is doing it. So we want to invite you to grow with us. Get involved in a life group. So many going on today. I'm going to try to talk my wife and going to the Buckingham Fountain. We need some time to hang out. I know mama be tired after second services, but we got to put in some work for the romance. You know, romance don't always come easy. You got to, you got to work at it. You know what I'm saying? Got to work at romance. If you're in uh, Matthew chapter 6, somebody say, I'm there. Awesome. If you didn't know where to go, now you do. Matthew 6, verse 9, the kingdom of God is here because Jesus is with us. You're going to learn about that. And the kingdom of God is up there where he is sitting on a throne. And the kingdom of God is coming to us. Those are the three aspects we learned about last week. The kingdom there, the kingdom here, and the kingdom coming. It's going to be reviewed if you missed it. So if you want the sermon, it's online, mpichurch.org. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and onward. Let us pray this all together to, on the count of three. One, two, three. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And somebody say amen. 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 You know, we are learning this whole, look at this. I was trying to be slick and move it. Can somebody help me before I drop it? <laughs> Let's give it up for Sue Ellen helping me. Thank you. I'm trying to be all slick, moving the fan. My fan needs help. Thank you, Sue Ellen. Let's give it up for Sue Ellen. Made it look slick. Oh, it's hard being a pastor sometimes. Things like that happen. We're learning about the kingdom, and that is a key part of this prayer. You've read it a thousand times or prayed it a thousand times. You know this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You've heard that before. You understand that in some ways. But I want you to get a deeper understanding. I want you to understand it more than you ever have before. Look at the definition of the kingdom of God for those who don't know what it is. The kingdom of God in the Bible is actually synonymous with the kingdom of heaven. Everybody say God lives in heaven. So that's why these are the same terms. So whenever you read the Bible and you hear Jesus say the kingdom of heaven is like this, and then further on, he'll say the kingdom of God is like this. He is not talking about two different places. He is talking about the same place. 
Here's what the definition is. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven is God's kingly rule through Jesus Christ over all creation and people. It was the primary message of Jesus. So when you think about a kingdom, there's two main components. There is a king and then there are the people the king rules over. Now, this is not an earthly man. This is not an earthly king, rather. It is God as king. So when people have tried to set up earthly kingdoms and have made theocracies, that is not God's will. God does not want us to have a king and then have him rule over us. I believe in democracies. How many are happy you get a vote? Amen. And you need to be paying attention to politics. Don't complain if you don't vote, okay? So you better be paying attention because it is coming up soon. And I want to see our church be active in voting. And it's okay if we disagree, but I would rather us have the opinion or, or the boldness to share our opinions than to not say anything at all or just be complainers. Amen. So some of the more liberal, y'all need to hang out with more of the conservative. Conservative need to hang out with the libertarian. And I may even just have a, a political debate here. Wouldn't that be good? We get we get a couple members in our church that are on the Democratic side, they say their thing, get somebody that's on the independent side, say their thing, and get people on the conservative side, say their thing, okay? And then I'll tell you which one is right. <laughs> I'm kidding. Half kid, half kid. You know I'll do. I'll be like, this one is right. No, I'm kidding. No, but you know, the honest truth is, is that God is our king. We only have one king, and it is God. Okay, so that's why the best way to rule over men is democracy, letting men choose among themselves those who will lead. And that is really what the church is as well. It is of choice that you are, are here, and the leaders come, and they serve and get appointed, and we together as a group of leaders make the church what it is here. We're not saying that we're always perfect at it, but we're perfectly doing our best. We're giving it our all. There's no leader here that I know in the church that says, ah, I don't really care about this. I don't take this serious. No, we take it serious. Amen. Can I get an amen? Okay, but we're not talking even about the church right now. We're not talking about a church. The kingdom of God is bigger than the church. The kingdom of God includes your job, this planet, the universe, everything in between. This is what we're talking about. And it's not only the kingdom of God now, presently. And we're talking the kingdom of God before there ever was a universe was the kingdom of God. God was in his own kingdom, ruling over angels and the creatures that we see described in Revelation. And long after this world will ever be around, and God recreates the universe. And the Bible says that there won't even need to be a sun on the new world that God creates because God himself will be the sun and there'll never be a night nor any shadow. Isn't that awesome? So just imagine that kind of world and it's greater than anything we could imagine. But the kingdom is past, present, future. It's all encompassing. So what we need to do as Christians is we need to get in on this. We need to know what does it mean to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's look at the review from last week. Look at your neighbor and say, the review is for you. Amen. This is for you. This is a review. Last week we talked about the three aspects of the kingdom of God. Open with me to Isaiah 6. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, please. We're going to learn about the kingdom there. Now, this is the kingdom of God that most all of us can relate to, that there is a kingdom in heaven. How many believe there's a place called heaven? Amen. Now, some of you may say, I'm not sure if there's a place called heaven. Well, let me ask you this. What harm is there in believing there's a place called heaven? Right? You don't hurt yourself by believing in that. So I say take a mustard seed of faith and believe there's something greater beyond what you're looking at now. 
And there's tons of evidence while you're turning to Isaiah 6 to make you think about heaven. First of all, where did matter, space, and time come from? Everything you see now is matter, space, and time. Think about that. Well, it had to come from somewhere. Nothing does not create something. Everybody's like, I believe in science. I don't believe in God. Well, did science make you dumb? Because you shouldn't say stuff like nothing creates something. Smart people understand something only can make something. Are you with me? So they say, well, I believe in the Big Bang. That's great. What banged? Who banged it? Hello, what banged? Try banging nothing and see what universe you can get out of it. <laughs> then take yourself out of the equation and have nothing bang nothing and see what you get out of it. And if you believe that can happen, we have a special place at this altar to pray for you today. Okay, but that's why the Bible literally said over 4,000 years ago, the fool said in his heart, there is no God. This is not to mock people who disagree with us, but it's literally to tell you you're not thinking right. And then you follow the discussion further. It's really not people saying they don't believe in God. It's people saying, I don't like the God that Christians believe in. That's really what it comes down to. I have a problem with the God they're telling me about. I don't like that God. So they suppress that knowledge and then to judge justify themselves to make excuses for it they try to find reasons to disbelieve but believe my friend because you did not come from nothing you came from something now matter space and time if it came from something could it have been matter space and time could the first computer created the first computer hello could the first computer created the first computer so where did matter space and time come from something that's not matter space and time what do we call that the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. We call that the kingdom of heaven. So don't just think, oh, I just heard a pastor talk about make-believe stuff today. No, the pastor just told you where matter, space, and time came from. And you may say, oh, I don't know if I believe that yet. I challenge you to come up with another explanation to where matter, space, and time came from. If it did not come from a spiritual place we call heaven, where did it come from? Now you may say there's a lot of gods, there's a lot of religions. Well, welcome to a Christian church. We're going to tell you why Jesus is right. Amen? Don't pay attention to those other ones. Pay attention to Jesus. You're saying, well, I'm not sure about that. Let me help you understand. What teacher are you going to follow? Well, I'm thinking about being a Muslim. Well, I'm thinking about following a yogi and some, some thing I've learned from India. Okay, let's just challenge all of them right now. How many of them are dead and how many of them are alive? Muhammad, dead. Yogi, dead. Buddha, dead. Jesus, alive. He wins. I'm listening to that guy. I'm listening to this guy. Now, once again, people say, well, anybody could say somebody raised from the dead. If you think Jesus raising from the dead is a myth, that shows you how little you've actually studied about Jesus. This is actually not the thing Christians run away from and go, let's just go on to the next thing. Because, you know, Jesus raised from the dead. Who can believe that? Let's just go to the No, no. This is actually the thing that Christians spend the most time investigating. And this has been the number one cause of why atheists come to Christianity. You can get the book Reasonable Faith by Lee Strobel, who worked for the Chicago Tribune as an investigative reporter. He was an atheist. He got upset when his wife started going to church. He said, I'm going to go there and tell this pastor, I'm going to disprove Christianity. I'll be back next week, and I'll tell you why you guys are all just believing myths. He studied one week, two weeks, three weeks, one month, two months. He studied for over a year, converted to Christianity, wrote the book, and now has one of the best websites to help nonbelievers see the resurrection of Jesus as a historical fact. Jesus raising from the dead settles the question of who you should be following. That, my friend, is why we are here today. Now, going back to the kingdom of God, there is a kingdom there. Everybody say there. 
There is a kingdom there. Gentlemen, thank you. The kingdom there is not a physical place. It is a spiritual place. It is the origin of where matter, space, and time, where physical things came from. The kingdom there is where the Father and the Son sit on thrones in heaven and receive worship from angels and the saints who have gone on before us. This is the picture that we get of that place. In the year King Uzziah died, this man, Isaiah, said, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. So this man, Isaiah, is writing this story. He tells you round about when it happened, when the king of their country died. I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim. This is a special type of heavenly creature. Each had six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two wings they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now who did this prophet see sitting on a throne? Who does he call that person? The Lord. Now go with me quickly to the book of John. John is a New Testament scripture. What does this mean? Old Testament is before the time Jesus came to earth, and New Testament is after Jesus came to earth. Now, was Jesus existing before he came to earth? Yes, Jesus existed before he came to earth. The Bible says there in Isaiah chapter 6 that Isaiah saw the Lord's glory. So who did he see? Those of you who were here last week, who did Isaiah see? He saw Jesus. Turn with me to John 12, verse 41. John 12, verse 41. So Jesus existed before the virgin birth. What was the purpose of the virgin birth? The purpose was so that Jesus could die for our sins. Why did we need that? Because we lost our citizenship in the kingdom of God in the Garden of Eden. Now, once again, people say, ah, oh, that's make-believe. That's a whole other story. I don't have time to show you how we have all come from man, one man and one woman and all, how all the variations of animal kingdom have all come from the same things that God created. When you look at dogs, there may be a chihuahua, there may be a, a rottweiler, but they come from a dog kind, a wolf, a coyote. They come from a dog kind. Are you listening to me? All the different little rabbits, they came from a rabbit kind. God created them like that. They were spared in the flood. I could show you the proof through the Grand Canyon. The flood happened. Are you listening to me? This is a part of world history. Now, track with me here. God created Adam and Eve. He said, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion here. But you have a choice. If you don't want to be here, do things my way, you can have a way out. See, God is not a divine rapist. God is not a divine kidnapper. He does not kidnap you and say, now be in my kingdom. Now you have nowhere else to go. When God created the world, he created Adam and Eve with free will. And he said, here's your way out. Eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Otherwise, you'll just know about good and my presence. They ate of that tree. Now we know not only of good, but we know also of what? Evil. 
Human history continued on, and this is where we get the Ten Commandments and God speaking to Moses because God is revealing the plan that he has for us. When Jesus comes, he fulfills all those plans that God made possible through those prophets. All of that time, God was revealing himself to Isaiah in a little bit of a vision or talking to Moses on the mountain and giving them a little bit of laws. This was Jesus concealing himself in the Old Testament. When he comes in the New Testament, Testament, he reveals himself. Are you tracking with me? One of the reasons that people or people ask, why didn't Jesus just come right at the beginning? Because they would not have known the importance or who he was or what he was doing. The history of mankind before Jesus teaches us why Jesus had to come. He fulfilled 40 prophecies when he came to this earth. 40. Do you know the chances of you fulfilling eight? would be like you flipping a quarter 50 times and every time it falling in on heads. Could you imagine that? Flipping a quarter, heads. Flipping a quarter, heads. That would be the chance any random person would have of fulfilling one out of uh, eight out of the 40 major prophecies. The 40 major prophecies that Jesus fulfilled for someone to do it would be a greater chance of you, the, the chance of you picking, uh, being a, a, um, a fulfilling and being the Messiah as Christ is fulfilling 40 prophecy would be like filling our entire known universe with quarters. Because there's more, this number is 10 to the 28th power, to the 28th power. Are you listening to me? It would be better for you to pick a quarter in the entire known universe at any planet than for you to randomly fulfill 40 prophecies. It is basically impossible. Jesus fulfilled 40 prophecies. Somebody say he's the man. Now, why did he come? To restore to us the kingdom that we lost. Why were there years of 4,000 years of human history before Jesus came? So that he could fulfill these prophecies and demonstrate to us he was who he said he was and teach us from the things God was revealing to us. So he was born in Bethlehem. That was a prophecy. He was told that it was prophesied that he would ride into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. That was prophesied. It was prophesied that he would be betrayed by one of his friends for 30 pieces of silver. Even names the amount he would be betrayed for. Are you guys listening to me? Somebody say, that's pretty awesome. Okay, now get this. Look at Isaiah, uh, John chapter 12, verse 41. This is the New Testament. Jesus is alive. See, Jesus is talking. He's doing stuff, right? Look what John says about him. This is John the apostle saying about Jesus concerning that prophecy we just read about. Isaiah said this. What did Isaiah say? I saw the Lord high and lifted up and all the things that come in this passage beforehand. Why did Isaiah saw, uh, say this? Because he saw whose glory? Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Going back to Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up and his glory filled the temple. Who did Isaiah see over 2,000 years before Jesus was born? Who did he see? He saw Jesus. So the kingdom of God has always been where Jesus is. So going back to our notes, get the first aspect here. This is review. Somebody say review. The first aspect is we need to know about the kingdom of God is it is in heaven where Jesus is seated next to the Father. It is a spiritual place, and from that place all creation has come. Why did Jesus leave heaven to come to earth? So that he might die for us who were rebels, sinners like Adam and Eve who broke God's commandment, got kicked out of the garden. He died so that we could come back into the kingdom. Everybody say, into the kingdom. Into 
because there is a kingdom here. Go quickly to Luke chapter 17, verse 21. Luke 17, 21. If this sounds familiar, somebody say, I get it. Okay, if this is new for you, somebody say, preach it. Okay, some of you are getting it. I'm so happy. We're all going to get on the same page. This is review. I'm excited. I just can't hide it. I'm so serious. Okay, look at this. I'm so serious. Like, you know what I'm saying. Come on, look at this. Luke chapter 17, verse 21. The kingdom is here wherever Jesus is, and you'll see how he described it. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. So when Jesus was walking around on the earth, everybody was like, hey, Jesus, when are you coming to physically rule the world and to establish the kingdom and defeat all the bad people and the evil and the devil and all of When are you going to do that? And he says, hold up, before that happens, it's not going to be somewhere over there or somewhere over here. It's going to be in your midst. It's going to be right there with you. Why is that? Because Jesus was teaching them that be, to become a spiritual citizen of the, uh, to become a citizen of the kingdom, you had to be spiritually reborn. Go to John chapter 3, verse 3, quickly. This is Jesus talking. Somebody say, it's what he said. That's what Jesus said. Now, some of you are, are, are already thinking, wasn't that a contradiction if the kingdom is there and now the kingdom is here? No, it's just different aspects of the same kingdom because the kingdom is wherever Jesus is. So he's in heaven, he comes to earth, now the kingdom's here. Now people go, well, what about when he went back to heaven? Yes, but he sent the Holy Spirit to be his representation. And I'll show you that in just a moment. But that's why he went back to heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit. What are the three persons of the Trinity? The Father and the These three are one. They are of the same essence. So when Jesus went to heaven, he sends the Spirit on his behalf to be his comforter, to be his advocate, to be his helper in the church, in the people. Are you with me? Look at John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are what? Born again. Okay, so how do I get up there to that kingdom? I got to get born again. Well, when I get born again here on this earth, I'm already a part of the citizen. I'm a citizen of the kingdom because I get born again by the Spirit, and the Spirit lives in me. I'm seated with Jesus in heavenly places. I'll show you that if we have some time. Hello. This is the understanding of the kingdom. Now, just, just watch. Watch what he says if you don't get it yet. How can someone be born when they're old? And we always like to laugh at old little Nicodemus. Nicodemus is like, what's going to happen? How are we going to get born again? Reincarnation or something else? And then he asks this question. He goes, surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. Look at your neighbor and say, that would be messy. Look at your other neighbor and say, that would hurt. Here I come, Mom. <laughs> I don't know why I got to do that sound effect, but I did. For, forgive me. But now Jesus says, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of the water and the spirit. Here's the principle. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to what? Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So the born again experience for the Christian is not physical, it is not a reincarnation. It is spiritual. Just like mom and dad gave us flesh, father, son give us the spirit, and we get renewed in our spirit. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Go back there. He said, 
if you eat of this tree, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Look at it, Genesis chapter 3. And the day you eat of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, you shall surely what? Die. But they ate of it and kept living, so it died. Spiritually. How did they lose their citizenship? Spiritually. Do you get it? Now go back to the passage. Jesus came to bring us the kingdom. Where does it start? In our midst. If Jesus did not bring a spiritual kingdom before he brought his physical kingdom, at this time, 2,000 years ago, there would only be about a million Jews in that kingdom. Only about a million people served the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The reason why there is a spiritual kingdom now, the reason why we are praying the Lord's prayer now, and the reason why it hasn't come yet already or come in first, the first coming of Jesus, why there is a second coming, is because Jesus wants the message of the kingdom to be spread to the whole world. He wants a citizenship, a, a massive citizenship from every nation, tribe, language. That is why we are commanded to go out and preach. We're preaching that they may repent and enter the kingdom of God. That's why you repent of sins. You're repenting for what you have done and on behalf of what Adam and Eve did, the humanity you are a part of. You repent of that. You're saying, I'm sorry. And you're saying, God, make me new so that you can become a kingdom citizen. Are you with me? Now, before you were just like, well, that's a spiritual. Everybody go spiritual. No, there's not just a place in heaven where the kingdom is and not just a place in my heart. There's actually a kingdom coming to this earth. And Jesus is physically coming back because he raised physically from the dead. And he's physically going to have a sword. And he's physically going to decapitate some people. And he's physically going to hurt a lot of wicked people. And you don't want to be there when that happens. You don't want to be there when that happens because Jesus is not coming back in a manger. And I always want to tell you this, two comings of Jesus. Everybody say two comings. First time as a baby, second time riding on a white horse. But listen, both times he was a king. He was a king in a manger and he's a king riding to conquer the world. But why did he come in a manger first? He wanted to conquer our hearts. He wanted to conquer our hearts. He wanted us to choose him not just submit to him by the sword as other religions do. He didn't come to show off like Pokemon or different superheroes and float in the air and Iron Man and shoot stuff and say, now believe in me. No, he came to conquer hearts. He came to heal our brokenness and show us that the way of heaven, the way of God, his father, is not of manipulation. As a matter of fact, when people were asking him to do more signs and more signs, he's like, I'm not doing them for those purposes. I don't heal the sick man by the poolside because I want all of you all to see how awesome I am. I'm healing the sick man so that he knows his body does not define him, but I can heal him anyways, but his soul is what matters. I'm showing him physically I can heal, but more importantly, I can heal the soul. Because even if you get healed, your body still dies, right? It still dies eventually. So these were just illustrations of his power. But the greatest power was a changed life. So he came first to conquer our hearts so that then he can come and conquer the world. And at this point, there will be no excuse. As a matter of fact, the Bible says when he comes down, nobody here can say, I didn't know about him. Because here's the trick. Here's what he said in Matthew 24. He won't come back until the gospel of the kingdom has been preached all over the world. Oh, y'all don't believe that? Oh, I got to show you. Go with me to Matthew chapter 24. Why hasn't Jesus come back now? Because the gospel has not been preached to the whole world. 
That is what he is doing now so that there is no excuse, so that there is nobody that says, I didn't know about him. And you may say, well, what about people who died before that? The Bible says they'll be judged by their conscience, but God, for him to judge the whole world, wants the whole world to have heard his voice and to have heard the gospel being preached. How many know you're in the last minutes of the last hour of the last day? Amen. Now listen to this right here. See, I'm going to tie some stuff together for you guys. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 14. Somebody say it's all about the kingdom. Jesus talking, red letters, and this gospel of the kingdom. The word gospel, evangelion, in the Greek means good news. And this good news of the what? The kingdom will be preached in how much of the world? The whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And then the end will come. We're not here just waiting for an antichrist figure. He's not in control of the end times. We're not just here watching crazy people do more wickedness. They're not in control of the end times. Jesus is in control of the end times. And the only reason why the Bible says in Peter he is patient with wickedness of mankind is because he wants none to perish but all to come to repentance. He wants the whole, God, the whole world to hear the whole gospel of the kingdom. Can I get an Amen. So think of it like this, my friends. Go to Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Jesus is coming back to establish the kingdom upon this earth, the kingdom of God, with his kingdom citizens. Those who have already died in the kingdom of God, they're in heaven now. They're waiting for the kingdom to come. Those of us here, we are to go and spread the message of Jesus and his kingdom and to wait his coming and to actually encourage his coming by winning souls and speeding it up as the bible says how many want to have jesus come in a hurry amen and so we cry out as the bible says maranatha it's an aramaic word maranatha we say lord even come now even come now two major languages of the bible hebrew aramaic very similar those are like one language the semitic language and then the greek language is the new testament old testament is uh, the hebrew and aramaic listen now to revelation chapter 5 verse 9 and they sang a new song so these are the people on the earth now with god singing a new song so the kingdom has come the world has been judged. They sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, and people of the nation and nation. Okay, let me slow down. Whose blood was slain for us to be purchased for God to be persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation? Who did this? Jesus. Verse 10, you have made them to be a what? a kingdom and priest to serve our God, and they will what? Reign on the earth. Praise God. Get excited. I'm going to be a king and a priest in God's kingdom. I don't need Father Tom now because I am a part of a kingdom of priests. And what does simply the word priest mean? It means to be a mediator between you and Jesus. I don't need a mediator between me and Jesus because Jesus said I could come to him. I need a mediator between me and the Father. And Jesus said he's the only one and the only way to the Father. No one comes to the Father but by me, he said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Hello. So do I need a mediator between me and Jesus? No, I just go to Jesus. I remember reading a, bu a bumper sticker. And it said, if you can't find Jesus, go to his mother. You know, encouraging to pray to Mary. I don't want to pray to Mary. I want to pray to Jesus. 
I don't want to pray to his buddy. I don't want to pray to his friend. I want to pray to Jesus. And first of all, they can't hear me anyway. And the Bible never commanded me to do that. Jesus gave me an invitation to come to him. How many want to go right to him? See, he's my king, and he hears me when I pray. And he said he's my mediator between me and the Father. Now you might say, well, why can't I go to the Father without Jesus? Because you are a sinner without Jesus, guilty of your sins, and you deserve hell. That's why you needed Jesus to die for you, to be your mediation, to be your Savior, so that now you can have the kingdom of God in your heart and be a kingdom citizen when it comes to this earth. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 as I give you a little lanyard. Two minutes over my review, but how many are getting some goodies out the review? Look at your neighbor and say, it's just the introduction. I still got to preach today's message. I got a message to preach. Come on. Ephesians chapter 1. Here are some of the goodies that we can say now because of what Christ has done for us. The Bible says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. See, we have been blessed with how many blessings in Christ? All spiritual blessings in Christ. And then you continue on and you see all the good things that God has done in this passage right here. And it says here that he has given us authority and made us uh, victors over sin. And that's some of the things that we're going to talk about. And all of these things have been changed. Somebody find where we're seated in heavenly places. Where is that? Oh, here we go. Verse 6. Chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 6. I know I'm moving fast, so please be patient with me. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. How am I seated right now in heavenly realms with Jesus while my body is here? Go to, uh, go to John 16. It's happened. It's already. How many are born again? How many are born again? You're seated in heavenly realms right now with Jesus. While you're seated here, you're seated in heavenly realms with Jesus. It's either that or Paul's line, the guy who wrote that in Ephesians. That's right. Because he made it pretty clear. It's not like, well, like metaphorically. No, no, you're seated in heavenly places with Christ. So it's either true or Paul's line. So can I explain to you how it's true? How many, how many want to hear it's true? All right, it's not make-believe, it's true. Amen, look at it. John chapter 6, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit will do inside of them and how the Holy Spirit will transform their lives, transform their lives. Now look at this right here. I have much to say to you, more than you can bear now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will only speak what he hears. Father, Son, and what? Holy Spirit. And he will tell you what is yet to come. That's how Paul could write these things. That's how Revelation could write these things. They're getting things from the Spirit. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he makes known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit you receive from me will make them known to you. So the Spirit is the one that makes these things known to us. Now they start to ask him, Jesus, where are you going to go? You know, he's like, well, I'm going back to the Father. Like, well, can we come? He's like, it's not time for you to come. And then he's like, you're all going to be sad. You're going to weep and mourn, you know, because I'm not going to be there with you. But here's what's going to happen. Look at what it says, verse 22. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. See, when he resurrected from the dead, that's when they saw him, and he said, I will be with you, and no one will ever take me away from you. Now watch, he keeps speaking to them, and they're still trying to get where he's going, and then look at what it says right here. It says, I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. So where's Jesus right now? Who is he with? 
Okay, so he's with the Father, and he's sending the Spirit. Now look at right here. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We will make our home with you. The Father and the Son make their home with us in by the power of the Holy Spirit. We will make our home with you. Now turn here with me to the book of John chapter 14, verse 23. I'll go to it right here, guys, if I can get this. Now go to 14:23. How many are getting some heavy revies? How many love Jesus? How many love the Father? How many love the Holy Spirit? Here it is, closing out our, introdu our introduction and review. Anyone who loves me, Jesus talking, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. So now you got Jesus and the Father. My Father will love them, and we, somebody say we, we will come to them and make our home with them. So how am I seated in heavenly places right now? The Holy Spirit. Because where the Holy Spirit is, Jesus is. And if the Holy Spirit is in me, I am where Jesus is. Think about it. Hmm. The Father and the Son make their home in me. And as they come into me by the Holy Spirit, I am where they are. Now, does this show us an idea of the nature of the Spirit? Yes. The Spirit is not limited to matter, space, and time. You can be in your spirit where Jesus is in heavenly places and yet be with your body. And I'm not talking you're leaving your body. I'm just talking like your spirit can be in two dimensions at one time. A lot of times we think of where Jesus is in heaven and we point above the sky like you could take a rocket ship and get there eventually. But I tend to have more of the belief that it's just a different dimension. And so if you ever see these sci-fi movies, like here's my hand in this dimension and I go into like, uh, what's that movie where the guy walks through the thing? Um, Stargate, thank you, sir. And it's like if you stick your hand through the Stargate, I am here, my hand is here, but I'm also still standing here. Are you with me? You go through that place. Well, the Holy Spirit transcends the dimensions of earth and the kingdom of heaven. It's up to you whether or not you want to believe that. But I believe I'm more than just a body. And I believe that if I'm more than just a body and I have a spirit, then the Holy Spirit can do things that I cannot see upon this earth. And so why would Paul lie to me? Why would Jesus lie to me if what he was saying was true, if he was raising from the dead? So here's where I leave it as a mystery. And I don't claim to understand it all, but I believe that there, and I'll, I'll put it together right now. Here it is. And there, there, yeah, there may be some mystery in this, but I believe it's a true understanding of the Bible. Number one, there is a kingdom there. There is a place called heaven, and God is there, the Father and the Son. And from that place, they have sent the Holy Spirit. If we die now before the kingdom comes to earth if we die now we will be there can I hear an amen? amen I also believe that there is the kingdom of God here it is in my midst it is within me because I have been born again the Holy Spirit has transcended matter space and time and has indwelt me and all of the children of God making us sons and daughters I can pray and hear God's voice speaking to my mind and my thoughts and I can feel his comfort hello somebody and I also believe that there is a kingdom coming where Jesus literally will come to this earth he will judge the bad people the good people will dwell upon this earth forever because that's why he originally made it in the Garden of Eden for us to dwell here. The earth, it's not its fault why it's being done the way it is. It's not that the fault of the earth. It's us who have corrupted the earth. Marijuana is just by itself being a little herb. Hello, somebody. It, it's not its fault why people are doing that. Co coffee, it ain't coffee's fault. Amen? Some of y'all are so happy coffee is here. Amen? 
But we have to understand, we have used and abused this world. God is going to come and make it right. Can I hear somebody say amen? How many are ready for the message? Okay, here are three benefits now to the kingdom of God. Because everything that I have said is very theological. It is very much like, okay, that's awesome. But it's not very experiential. Somebody say theological. Experimental. Let's change that word. Experiential. Theological. Okay, theological things deal with the mind, like mathematics. Two plus two is four, you know, four plus four is eight. How many know that that's not very experiential? How many would like to have four plus four Lamborghinis? Total of how many? Eight. If you had four Lamborghinis, you added four more, how many would you have? Eight. So four times two is what? Eight. Or ten times one is what? But we're not experiencing that. We're just ex understanding that. How many want to experience the things of God and not just understand them? I want to understand them. I don't want to t turn off my brain when I come to church and be like, oh, I just believe whatever the pastor says. No, I want to understand, but then I want to experience. And so this is where I'm talking to my man in the back. Andrew is an awesome union plumber. Let's give it up for Andrew. Amen. He helps and volunteers in the church. So this is where I make it experiential. I want what I say to impact Andrew's life and every other person here that is not just studying theology, you know, dreaming about different dimensions. Where is heaven? Matter, space, and time. It's out of that realm, so is heaven here now? Open up heaven to me, Jesus. You know, I mean, some of you want to go on spiritual treasure chest hunts, you know, and just I want to find heaven. And that's, I'm not here to promote that. That's not what Jesus came to promote. He didn't come to make spiritual granola bar Christians, fruit, nuts, and flakes. Granola bars are made out of fruits, nuts, and flakes. Jesus didn't come to make spiritual weirdies. He came to make living, active disciples that fully function in their world, and they're productive at what they do. The apostles taught us that we are to do all things unto Christ. So that means tomorrow when you go on your job, the kingdom of God should be there with you because it's inside of you. God is there with you. And there should be a difference in your life from your attitude to how you treat people to the favor that others give you. You know, I'll just, I'll just share this with you right here. To me, favor is not fair, friends. And you can get upset that some people are getting favor and you're wondering what's going on. It's because favor is not based on the system of everybody gets it. God based the, the system of favor based upon obedience. How many have children and your parents and you do it the same way? All of my children get clothes. All of my children get a bed to sleep in. But not all of them are getting ice cream today. Not all of them get the same amount of allowance. I'm already teaching my kids at six years old. This is how it is. You'll get a dollar for good behavior through the week. You'll get a dollar for doing good homeschooling, right? So they can get $2 a week. Be on your best behavior because daddy can give you a bonus dollar by you doing various things. So they get up to $3. And now we used to go to the Target dollar section, but now they just put a five and below in our neighborhood. And we were just like, we have lost our mind. It was the grand opening yesterday. They're giving us T-shirts. I mean, it was amazing. Because now it's perfect. It teaches them the concept of saving their money, earning more. My daughter Hannah, she only had $4, but she wanted a thing of $5. I said, save it for next week. Bethany had saved hers from last week. She had $9 because she had been doing really good for the last couple of weeks. And it's just amazing, right? That's how you get favor. That's how it is. It's not fair based upon, it's fair in the sense God will do it the same way for everybody. But it's not just given out and you can just have an entitlement mentality. Are you with me? 
Okay, having said all of that, I just want to testify to you. My wife and I, we rent homes, okay? So we're not able to buy the kind of houses that we live in. And if you're like me and you rent, you understand you're always at that lease, you know, coming to an end, wondering where am I going to be. You want to take care of that other person's house because it's not your own. And so we had been there two years. The guy renewed it for another year, and it was just like we didn't feel like we wanted to move. And, you know, a lot of the prices are going up now with the economy. And so long story short, in our heart, we wanted to stay at that house. We just wanted to stay there. And so we just, you know, asked the landlord by text, would you consider renewing the lease for another year? And without him even thinking about it, he said, yeah, you got it for another year, same price. And then I, then I write him back, and I'm like, do you want to sign something? you want to do anything? And he's like, no, we're good. You got it for another year. And I just think to myself, that kind of favor. To, to just have a landlord that says, I'm so happy you're there. You're taking care of this for me. I'm going to favor you. It's all good. And my lease went up the last year, two years ago anyways, a year and a half, because I didn't sign that one either. And we are already just going on to the fourth year. Who knows? But you know what? God has it under control. And he favored us. So look at this. Look at this. Simply like this. A 30-second text set my heart at ease for the next 18 months. 30-second text. That fast. Your problems can be resolved that fast in the power, by the power of God. It's the kingdom. Let me just say this because I said it last week. When you look at Jesus, he's walking the earth. He is the kingdom. People touch him, get healed. Bam. He's reading people's past, and he's telling them about their future. He knows everything. But yet there's some people that want to kill him. There's some people that are touching him. They're not getting miracles. A woman with the issue of blood touches him. She gets a miracle. What's the difference? A lot of sick people at Pool of Bethesda, but only one man gets healed. A lot of blind people, but only blind Bartimaeus gets healed. A lot of people who were following Jesus, but there was only a few disciples that stuck with Jesus. He fed 5,000 once, not including women and children. That's about 10,000. He fed then 4,000, not including women and children. Now it's about 8,000. 10 plus 8 is 18,000. Do you know how many people were in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit? 120. Where did the rest of the 17,900 disciples go? They left him at various times along the journey because here's the thing. You can be around the kingdom but not in the kingdom. How much more so today? You look at me, you hear my preaching. I'm not Jesus, right? I'm not healing, raising the dead. You look at me and go, I don't know if I believe that. You'll step right outside the kingdom. You'll watch the kingdom pass you by. You'll be watching other people's marriages succeed and not going through divorce, and you're watching children being raised, and you'll see even Christians suffer, but you'll see them have a tenacity, a joy, a perseverance, and you'll wonder, why is that not happening in me? It's, it's not because you need to go to a different place, a different church, etc. It's because you need to enter into the kingdom. And the kingdom does have benefits. The kingdom does have benefits for our great brother Andrew that when he goes to work tomorrow, it's not just, oh, what did you learn at that church where you always go? Uh, oh, I just learned about the kingdom and some cool stuff about heaven and transdimensional Holy Spirit travel, things like that. No, he can say these three things, and these are the benefits. He could say, number one benefit I have in the kingdom is a relationship with God. I talk to him and he talks to me. So on my way to work at 5 in the morning to go downtown, I'm talking to Jesus. Jesus has given me purpose to what I do because it's not just about a pipe. It's not just about fixing plumbing. It's about bettering people's lives and pleasing my God. And I get that perspective by being in his kingdom. Number two, there is ultimate power. We can pray for things that are impossible with man. We can pray for them because they're possible with God. The War Room is a movie out that talks about a woman warring in her prayer closet and it changing lives. My mother had a war room. She prayed for me. It seemed impossible. I wish I could call my friends on Skype right now. 
Hello, Derek. How are you? We're just in church today. Glad to have you here. Derek, did you ever think I would be a pastor while I was smoking dope, snowing cocaine, and having sex with women and breaking into places with you? Derek, did you think that would happen? No, you didn't. Why? Because my mother prayed for me. She prayed and did not give up, and God did a miracle. Ultimate power is in the kingdom. Ultimate power, all that we need. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We should live daring, adventurous lives, radical lives for Jesus because we know he's with us. Amen. And then the Bible says, righteousness, peace, and joy is in the kingdom. You see, you may have success. See, Donald Trump may have success, but he's not in the kingdom unless he's born again. And money, money doesn't define success in God's kingdom. The streets are made out of gold in God's kingdom. The streets. Isn't that something? What is God showing us? The God, is, God is showing us the earth is made for us. That's why he says don't love this. Don't love paper. Don't love gold. Don't put your heart on things. Love God and love people. Amen. Quickly, can I give these to you in closing as they've turned off the lights and let me know it's time to end. We have a second service today. And everybody ready to go said amen. I'm looking my eye on you. Okay. Let's have other band please come. John chapter 3, verse 3, we've read about it. So thank God that I have already you know, um, hit on this scripture. But just hear it one more time. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. The first benefit we have in this kingdom is a relationship with God. We are literally born into his family, adopted as his son or daughter. Romans chapter 8 says that now our spirit and his spirit commune with each other. That's why you don't only have to speak out loud when you pray. God can hear your thoughts. And if you ever wanted to know what, is the vo what does the voice of God sound like, the voice of God sounds like your thoughts, but their origin is from God. Why? Because your thoughts are, are, are of spiritual matter. To this day, they can show brain activity, and that's a whole other discussion. They can show brain activity, but they can't show thoughts. They can show where affection comes from and how we are attracted to each other through pheromones and so forth, but they can't show love. Are you with me? They can't show dedication, sacrifice. They can't show with science the reason why we'll lay down our lives for each other. Animal instinct would be to save your own life, but we lay down our lives for each other. This is because Christians have a relationship with God that transcends matter, space, and time, a physical world. That's why he said he can be with all of us at the same time. And the illustration he gave us was the very air we breathe. He said, it shouldn't surprise you in John chapter 3 when he's talking to Nicodemus that I said be born of the Spirit because the wind blows where it will. You don't see it, but you feel it. That is what the Holy Spirit is like. You can't hold the Holy Spirit in your hand like Casper the ghost and poke him like the little, the little Pierce, Pillsbury Doughboy. Hello, Holy Spirit. <laughs> you're not going to hold the Holy Spirit. Just like you're not going to hold wind, hold air. But you're breathing it. Your life is dependent upon it. 
That is our soul when it's unified with God. The Spirit of God is the breath to our spirit, is life. In the Garden of Eden, the Bible says Jesus literally breathed life into the clay that he had made, and man became a living soul. Man, man's substance of his soul is the breath of God. And yet, as I've said before, God gives man a will. Not only is he not a rapist to enforce his will upon you without choice, you are not a computer forced to love him. Siri, do you love me? I'm not allowed to. How come you're not allowed to? Where do you live? I want to come hunt you down. Are we friends, Siri? Why, of course, Joseph. Okay. You're okay. I'm going to let you be. Is that how God made us? Come to church. Yes, God, I come to church. Fall in love with this person. Okay, God, I fall in love with this person. You're not God's robot, and he's not your rapist. God made you free to choose. Do you want to be his child in relationship with him or do you want to be outside of the kingdom? In closing, what is hell? Hell is where the kingdom of God is not. Some of us get so consumed with fire and punishment and torture. No, no, no. Get this in your mind. Hell is where God is not. So what does God bring to this earth now? Sanity, joy, life, light, happiness, peace, so what will hell be like? Darkness, tragedy, insanity, discouragement, despair, torture of the soul and mind. Before you ever think of the body, think of what hell was really there for. It is a place where Satan could go because he didn't want to be in heaven. There it is. So if you don't want to be where God is, you don't have to. You just can't choose to have his benefits where he's not. Hello, my daughter can't say to me, I want daddy's dollar, but I won't obey him. No, 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 no. You make your choices, not your consequences. You can say, I don't believe in gravity all you want and jump off a cliff. Gravity believes in you. You can say, I don't believe in God. I'm not going to do any of this. Okay, when you die, your soul will not have anything that God has offered you. Number two, ultimate power. Somebody say ultimate power. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. Quickly, please. Gentlemen, help me out. Thank you. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. How many believe God's kingdom has power? Do you think God's kingdom has more power than these muscles? Do you think God's power has more than these muscles? What about, <laughs> what about the rock's muscles? Do you think God's power has more than the rock's muscles? How about... The military. Do you think God has more power than the military? What about the very laws of nature? Do you think God has more power than all the laws of nature, the law of gravity, physics? Hello. Think about this. The kingdom of God is not just a matter of talk, but of power. Please don't walk out of here today going, I don't know how to apply this to my life. I, I just heard a lot of stuff about the kingdom of heaven way up there. No, no, no. That wasn't what Jesus told us to do. He said, pray that my kingdom will come and my will will be done. Where? 
on earth as it is where? So that means there's supposed to be a transference of power from heaven to earth. The most powerful thing is the salvation of men's souls. After that is men's families laying down their lives. Men and women, you know, family. The power of love. This is our, these are the greatest things we know. Then there's the power of success. There's so much power in this world. And yes, people tap into it, but they don't give God credit. But the Bible says, tap into it through Him, and not only will you have kingdom power, you'll have kingdom blessings. Because what good is it to have all the power of a dictator, but not to have love? It profits you nothing. Hello? What is the benefit to have all the money in the world? But have not love for God and people. It benefits you nothing. The Bible says you could gain it all. Then you lose your soul. So your little temporary sandcastle may satisfy you now, but eventually the storms come and knock it over. Build your house on the rock. True power. Love for God. Love for people. And whatever you do, filter your life through that. That's what I'm doing. I'm living this out by love for God and people. That's where the power comes from. Power to hold my tongue when I should curse, when I, when I want to curse somebody out. Ha holding my tongue, holding back my anger and being patient. That takes power. It takes power. Loving my enemy. How many know that takes power? How about this? Forgiving those who hurt you. That takes power. How about changing your thoughts and getting over your past and focusing on your future and what God has for you? That takes power. Lastly, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. That's how you sum it up. Please, Romans 14, verse 17. I know I was a little long on my introduction, but I really want you to hear this today so next week we can move on to different things in the kingdom. But let us remember this prayer. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want a relationship with you on earth as they have in heaven. I want the power in my soul on earth as they have in heaven. And I want the righteousness, peace, and joy on this earth as they have in heaven. Look at what Romans chapter 14 says here. Verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. How many like to eat and drink? Ain't nothing wrong with that. But it's not just about having a good time. But it's of righteousness, peace, and joy in what? The Holy Spirit, that one that Jesus sent and now makes the kingdom real to all of us. Righteousness. Doing right things. You could go through the list of all the right things we're supposed to do. Who's going to help us with that? The Holy Spirit. The Bible says he will lead us on the path of righteousness. I don't know how to always be the right kind of father, but the Holy Spirit does. He'll lead me on that path. Going back to Andrew. Andrew may not know how to treat a disgruntled customer tomorrow. You should have been here. Your company stinks. I'm going to put a, a, a dis, I'm going to put a bad review about you guys, right? But the Holy Spirit knows how to handle that. How many have to work with difficult people? And I'm not speaking specifically about Andrew, but just in general. How many just you got to deal with difficult people? Holy Spirit knows how to deal with them. Holy Spirit knows how to do what's right. How many of you are parents? Raise your hand. How many of you know everything about your kids, how they think, what makes them think, their personality? They surprise me. I don't know half the things about my daughter. She's only six. By the time she's a teenager, I'm going to be like, who are you? How did you become just like your mother? How did that happen? Strong-willed, outspoken. How did you become just like your mom? No, I'm kidding. 
But who knows our kids? The Holy Spirit knows our kids. He'll teach us how to be right. There are some times that you'll say, it's good to spank my kids, but it may not be righteous. Because God may say, this is not a time to spank. This is a time to console. Then other times they may be bawling like a baby, and you'll think it'll be good to console, and God will say, now spank them if they've done what's wrong. See, how do you know when to spank, not to spank? How do you know when to be stern, when to be gentle? Hello, parents. The Holy Spirit knows. That's righteousness. Every area, righteousness, God will give it to us. Peace. Remember we talked about the kingdom of this world versus the kingdom of God, and they may look like they have stuff, but they don't have what we have. Here's one of the true indicators, these last two, peace and joy. I guarantee you, no one can have the peace of God without being in the kingdom. You can imitate everything else, but you cannot imitate this. This is an inner peace that the world cannot give and it cannot take away. That is why I said to you guys last week, if you think money will give you peace, that's only because you haven't had enough of it yet. You're still chasing that raise, that promotion, thinking when you get there, you'll have it. But when you get there, it will just be here, and you'll have just what you had when you were over there. See, there in the future becomes here, and it becomes there of the past. Because if you don't have peace now, going forward, more doesn't change anything. Hello. Think about it. If I think over there, I'll be happy. Over there, more money. More education, better house, over there. You'll get there, it will be here, and you won't have peace because you never had it there. Peace is something I take with me here. I have peace here. I remember hearing a testimony of a pastor. She was about ready to preach. He heard that his daughter was, uh, she heard that it was a woman pastor. She heard that her daughter was in an accident, and the first thing she wanted to do was get up and run and get over there on a plane because she was out, out of the state. And God said, there's nothing you can do to help that situation right now. Preach the peace of God to these people and then get on a plane and you'll find out what, what you need to do when you get there. She said that went against every instinct. But God was testing her to say, you preach to everybody else about the peace of God, but the first thing that goes wrong, you want to fix it. Show these people you're trusting me right now. Show them that I'm there when you're not and your prayers matter and that's what will fix it. Not your physical touch, just touching the situation. See, peace means I trust God when I can't fix the situation. I trust Him and joy. We all know what joy is. Joy is not just situational happiness. Situational happiness is, oh, I'm happy I got paid. Oh, I'm happy it's this kind of a day. It's Friday. It's nice weather. Whatever. No, no, no. Joy it's not situational happiness. Joy is emotional stability rooted in who God is. That's why the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You lose your loved one. Rejoice on that day. Why? Because you at least had a loved one. Rejoice in the Lord. Don't rejoice in death. Rejoice in the Lord. I've been to funerals. You know what I say? This man's a witness. Pacheco, the whole family was there. Did I not say when I went to that funeral and stood before you guys, I said, today is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Why? Because we will not let sorrow, it's okay to cry, it's okay to miss the father, he had lost his father, but we will not let that help make us forget that God is still with us, that even though bodies die, soul live on, and there's a kingdom, we will rejoice in that. And then we'll take on our sorrow. We'll take on our pain with joy as our strength. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. So how do we face sorrow? With depression? No, we face times of sorrow with joy. That's what the kingdom offers. 
If you love the kingdom of God, can I have you stand to your feet and give Jesus a hand clap of praise because it's all about a king. Come on. Altar workers, would you come, please? Give me just a second. Scroll on down here and check this out. As we close out today, the kingdom of God, think about this. It's all about a king, Jesus who came and gave his life so that the people like us who rejected his kingship could once again be made, made his prized possessions and citizens. Would you just close your eyes with me now? Would you meditate in your own heart? And right now, would you be honest with yourself? Are you a kingdom citizen? Are you in the kingdom of God? Have you been born again? We call this contemplative prayer, meditative prayer. Don't make the yoga people think that they're the only ones who meditate. This is real meditation. You don't have to do the crooked chicken stance to do it. Just close your eyes. Distractions will leave and focus on the inside of you. Talk to yourself. Be honest with you. And answer the question, am I a kingdom citizen? Am I seated with him now in heavenly places? Do I have the assurance of the Holy Spirit telling me I am new? I am born again. I am a son or a daughter of the king. Come on, 30 seconds. I have set it up for you today, friends. It's now up to you. Remember, God can't force it, and he didn't make you a robot. This is your choice. Your choice. Those of you who already know your kingdom citizens, would you thank him? Thank him for 10 things right now you have in the kingdom. 10 things. Those who already know, I'm in. The rest of you, as you're searching your heart, if you want to get in, be born again right now by placing your faith in Jesus, confessing your sin, and saying, I believe in you. Once again, if you're not in the kingdom, you want to be born again, it's this simple. John 3.16 says, believe in the Son that he died for your sins. Your prayer of entrance into God's kingdom could be this simple. Father, forgive me for my sins. I ask Jesus into my life. I believe he died on the cross for me and has given me kingdom citizenship. I want to be born again. I want to start a new life in your kingdom right now. Or you could say it simply like, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Start in me now and forgive me of the times I did not do it the way you wanted me to. It's not a magical prayer. It is just the release of our souls to our King. It is us saying, I want to be in your kingdom. 15 more seconds. Come on, did you already get past 10? Those of you who are in the kingdom, go to 20 right now. Come on, go to 20. Thank you for my health. Thank you for my family self. Thank you for my house. Thank you for each one of the cars that I have. Thank you for breakfast this morning. Thank you for the lunch that's waiting for me. Thank you for the clothes on my back. Thank you today for the education that I'm given. Oh, thank you for this church today. Thank you for every seat that is filled, oh, Father God. Thank you for bills being paid. Thank you for my right mind today, Father God. Thank you for friends to hang out with that life group today, God. Thank you for the freedom of this country, Father God. Thank you for the band that sings worship songs while I preach, and thank you. Thank you for the breeze that I feel from the 
fan. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I will not let my present circumstances take away your praise. I will not let the evil of this world take away the joy of my soul. I will not let this world determine my citizenship. I will be in your kingdom. It is my determination. It is my heart. It is my choice of my own volition. I pray your kingdom come, your will be done in Joe's life today. In Joe's life today as it is in heaven. Can you look up at me before we close out? How many thank God for some good things? How many are happy for the kingdom? Amen? Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Now we're going to pray a simple prayer of dismissal, and this is all I'm going to ask. Those of you who said, I want to come into that kingdom, find someone to pray with you to talk about the kingdom with and to encourage you and just to share with you what it meant to them and what it will mean to you. And you can start discipleship. They'll talk to you about the Bible studies. Just don't leave without hanging out with someone in the kingdom. Are you in the kingdom? I sure am. Are you in the kingdom? Amen. Do we all have to be tall, handsome, and studly like you to be in the kingdom? Yes. <laughs> They allow Aztec warriors in the kingdom, praise God. Are you in the kingdom? Of course. Will you say in Tagalog, I am in the kingdom of God? That's a kingdom I call. Hallelujah! That is a part of what God promised. He said that this gospel must be preached to every nation, tribe, and tongue, and language. Would you say in Greek, you're in the kingdom, hallelujah? Woo! Come on! Will you say for all the Latin people out here, I am in the kingdom of God. Yo soy en el reino de Dios. Hallelujah. Will you say for all the white boys that you in the kingdom, baby. I'm in the kingdom of God, y'all. Yes, you is. Yes, you is. Woo. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Help us to live it as we leave. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Bless him one more time because he's worthy. Amen. Thank you. Slap your neighbor high five and say, let's be about kingdom business. Have a great day. You're dismissed. Come up and get prayer if you would like some. There is power, there's power in, in the, the name, name of Jesus. Jesus. If you need prayer, come on up. There is power. Otherwise, have a great week. You are in the kingdom, and where you go, the kingdom comes. There is power. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Come on, can you sing it out again? There is power. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. Someone will get to you, but as you're waiting, just worship with us. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. To break, to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. One more time. Break every chain, break every chain, break every
in the kingdom of God, sharing the grace of the Lord. We are conquering not men, but the devil and his lies. Yes, our battles against the lies of the devil. And we're going to break every chain. There's an army rising up. Come on, let's get a battle cry in this place today. Come on, Christian, put up the drums a little bit, please.
I want to believe right now for your family to get saved. If you're in here right now and you want to see your brother, your sister, your mother, your son, your daughter get saved, come on, meet me up at this altar and call out their name right now. I stand in the gap for Lisa. I stand in the gap for justice. I stand in the gap right now for my family. And I believe that they will be saved. I rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. Come on, you want to stand in the gap for your family? Let's do it right now. Who wants to see somebody in their life get saved? Jesus. Come on. Come on. We're standing in the gap today for our lost loved ones. You can't have them, devil. They belong to Jesus. Who do you want to see get saved? please but keep them pumping come on keep it pumping we're gonna keep praying come on who do you want to see you say my sister julie my dad my, uh, my brother-in-law mark amen come on i just want to see my brother my entire family giving their lives to jesus entire come on come on who you want to see you say my uh my nephews my niece uh my co-workers uh my youngest sister they're coming, they're coming. Who do you want to see get saved, bro? Um, my mom, my family, my brother, my girlfriend. That's good. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's pray right now, everybody, for our families, for our loved ones. Lord, save them. Save our brothers. Save our sisters. Save our children. Save our friends, God. Don't let anybody perish. An army rising up. There's an army. Come on. Come on. We stand in the gap. Satan, loose them. Let them go. You cannot have them in the name of Jesus. There's an army rising up. There's an army. There's an army. One, 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 one. War cry, war cry, war cry. This is our battle cry. One, 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 one. This is my battle cry to the day I die. Whoa. One, one. To break every chain, to break every chain, nice and soft, sing it out. To break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. One more time with the heart of prayer. Every chain, break every chain. Come on, one more time. Just imagine them getting saved as you say it. Every chain and break every chain. Before we roll out, just hear this. We can't force them into the kingdom, just like Jesus can't force them. But what does our prayer do? Like the song says, our prayer looses things off of them.